One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys. So, um, you know, when I was when I was praying and uh, just kind of trying to feel the Lord's heart for this group, um, I I just I just felt like the Lord um, He said the word debrief, and so I think it's um, very important that as a leadership group, um, you wrap your mind around what you saw last night, because if you don't process it right, if you don't process it correctly. Um, You'll try to organize, administrate, and control it in a way that actually um, stifles, right? It, it actually uh, quenches the spirit. Um, and so, granted, I understand you got, you got it. You, there, there's a presentation. There's a representation um, that's important. But at the end of the day, I mean, who knows the mind of the Lord, right? I mean, what does the Lord want to do? Um, and so the only way you truly function in that is discernment, okay? So I was talking this morning with the group about um, the concept of, uh, you know, discernment is, I believe discernment is the most profound gift of the Spirit because it only comes by knowing the Spirit yeah. and discerning between what the Spirit wants to do versus what all the enemies of God want to do, Right? Um, a lot of people call discernment, like, what does the scripture say? That's not discernment, okay? Uh, discernment is a spiritual knowing um, that is a, it's a revealed by the Spirit. You have to know um, the heart of the Lord and, and what's going on. And granted, you're going to see some manifestations and some different things that people do that are kind of like, yeah, that's not the Holy Ghost or, you know, whatever. Um, but you never want to... You never want to stop the move of God because you see a couple strange, weird things um, once in a while, right? And so as leadership teams grow and gel, in my experience with leadership teams in, inside of churches, you always have this, this, uh, this pulling and bending, and um, it all centers on does the, does the Holy Spirit win or does administration win? It comes down to, you know the tension um, of the leadership group and how, how the Holy Ghost is embraced or partly embraced. And it's a very important thing. Um, and so who is selected in leadership has a big influence. You're, you're not here by mistake, it, um, but you have to have the same heart. You have to have a li- an aligned um, intent, um, which really gets back to understanding how the Lord works, okay? Um, how does the Lord work, right? Is it explainable? Not really. Um, he actually uh, tells um, all these believers after, after the resurrection, right, to stay in this city. Don't leave. I'm going to endue you with power. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to make you something supernatural. And all of a sudden, the day of Pentecost comes, and these 120 believers in the upper room um, they get baptized in the Holy Ghost, right? Tongues of fire come upon them. They're praying in the Holy Ghost. Prophecy comes. They get so endued with the purpose and intent of the Lord that they become intoxicated, right? They're laughing. They're, they're, I mean, and, and then the whole thing in chapter 2 of Acts where Peter says, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're intoxicated in the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus promised he would send, right? And this is the result. And the presence that, were, that was on the 120 ended up with 3,000 coming in, right? And that's a, this is a kind of a weird thing to say, but are you intoxicated? <laughs> As a leadership team, are you intoxicated? Because if you're not intoxicated, if you're not intoxicated, you may accept prophecy in a couple gifts of the spirit once in a while 
but you won't accept the supernatural, right? And then a step back from that is, you know, tongues and not even being baptized in the Holy Spirit. People with different levels of embrace of the Spirit have different tolerances and different tensions that are produced in in a leadership team. So it's very important that... I think, I mean, we've, we've been here and ministering with this group for 24 hours now, and it's pretty evident that there's a love of the presence of the Lord, right? There's a love and a want and a desire for everything the Lord has. And um, obviously what happened last night, um, that doesn't happen everywhere I go. It's not, it's not allowed. It would, it would be, okay, prophecy is one thing. But the level of intoxication where people literally are getting messed up, right? There, there was ministry going on in the chairs and the seats. I mean, I don't know if you looked around, but there's people like getting, getting hit by the Holy Ghost. They're in between the aisles, under the chairs, laughing, crying, right? I mean, that was way beyond one prophecy to an individual, right? I mean, and that's, that's, the, that's the intent that heaven is poured out. Yes. And 3,000 come in, yes. right? And, and there's a subtlety here, guys. There's a subtlety in, in the charismatic church. Um, individual prophecy or single points of controlled move of the Spirit, but not the embrace of intoxication. Mm. That's really good. Wow. And I just, I just felt the heart of God on, on the concept, will you embrace my intoxication? <laughs> oh, will, yeah. you, will you embrace... The way I do it. Come on, come on. Literally, will you embrace the fullness of the way I do it? Because there are places where Dave Cuppins allowed to come in and prophesy, and there's individual people weeping in tears, but the body as a whole is not being shaken. Okay, and I think I think a lot of what happened. Um, I carry a lot of potential, but it doesn't get released unless there's a leadership group that embraces intoxication. That's right. And so I, th- I think the point of, of point, uh, I think the point of what I, I want or what uh, the Lord wants to talk about um, is your heart's embrace of intoxication. That's good. Because if because, because if you um, kind of tolerate it corporately, but your personal life isn't intoxicated, there will be friction points. Wow. So I'll ask the question again. <laughs> Are you, are, do you intentionally get to- intoxicated? Yes. It's a big deal. And when I, say, when I say intoxicated, I'm talking about we are not drunk as you suppose, but we are drunk in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Right? Be not, do not be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the Lord says, I am the surgeon. I am the, the worker. I am the one who rearranges hearts. Yes. Amen. Yes. And um, <laughs> this concept of Pentecost is how the church became supernatural. You know, the church, they didn't have a Bible. The early church, um, the, the, the Torah in the Old Testament they only had so many written copies. The scrolls were actually in the temple. And then the New Testament didn't even exist. So when they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, what did they carry? They carried the Holy Ghost. You either knew the Holy Ghost or you didn't know the Holy Ghost. That's right. And the American church, the North American concept of Christianity has been dumbed down to the point where do you know what's in your Bible when actually the Bible wasn't even part of the package. The Bible wasn't even part of the package. Jesus didn't stay here till I give you a download of scripture. He said, stay here in this city until I send the same power that was on me. Because I didn't like figure out what scripture I was going to quote for the day. I went into prayer and I only did what I saw my father download to me and talk to me and reveal to me. And I got up, and we cast devils out of the demoniac, right? I got up out of prayer the next day, and we did these supernatural things in Judea, and, um, you know, the woman at the well, and every day was a different day. Because he embodied and demonstrated the power of the Spirit. He didn't quote Scripture. That's why the the Pharisees were confounded. The the Pharisees were Scripture quoters and uh, conditioned... 
condition achievers, right? And 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 Jesus was a was a was a supernatural one who knew the voice of the Lord. Amen. And so the voice of God, it was the thing. You either heard the voice or you didn't, and you couldn't fake it. Yeah. You either were supernatural or you weren't. You either were supernatural in the power of the Holy Ghost or you weren't. Yeah, come on. And in and 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 what Christianity has become, it's hard to it's hard to discern the real from the fake because everybody carries a Bible and periodically comes to church. And that's what you've redefined church as. But the Lord is awakening, um, I believe, centers like this where the glory is going to rest, Whoa. right? Where the, where the presence of God is going to rest and there's going to be um, the work of the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? Demonstrate the power of God. Amen. So are you ready to carry that? Yeah. So, you know, last night we talked about the importance of, of uh, how do you pronounce it? Yada? I, I always call it yada. Um, but I'm, a, I'm, from, I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. We, we're we're kind of, oh, we speak weird. Even in the U.S. we speak weird. It's called Pittsburghese. We put uh, emphasis on, on the wrong syllables all the time. So Yada. So you got, you got yada, which is the intimacy, right? We defined it. Um, the knowledge of the Lord is actually a spiritual intimacy, right? And you have this Hebrew, or I'm sorry, you have the Greek version of that is, um, again, I pronounce it genisko, which is the word to know him. And uh, the scripture I just want to talk about for a minute is uh, Ephesians 3.19. He actually says, I pray that you would really come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, which far surpasses Bible scripture, memorization, what the Bible says, that you actually don't rely on knowledge, you rely on knowing, right? And it's in the knowing that Jesus, the preacher, is allowed to enter the room because your centerpiece is on who you know and what who you know wants to say and do, which includes everything from getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, prophecy, and ultimately intoxication. Yes. Because intoxication does a level of heart surgery that some of the other gifts can't even do. Yeah. Okay? Intoxication is about literally heaven invading a place. Yeah. And, and just the whole work of the Spirit is the whole body is undone. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> we know Linda's undone. <laughs> But what if we what if we had what if we had uh, a couple hundred people literally intoxicated? Right. Come on! You Come see, on. an intoxicated person's fearless. Yeah. An intoxicated you you know what it felt like last night, yeah. right? You couldn't feel your body. There was no fear in the room. There was nobody that was like afraid. There were people coming forward, people shaking, people weeping because the boldness of the Holy Ghost yeah. was upon Whoa. people, yeah. right? Wow. Yes. You were intoxicated. Yeah. And so I ask, I got to ask you the question again, do, do you as a leadership team plan to be intoxicated? Yeah. Yes. Uh, not just come to church on Sunday and say, hope, yeah, come on. I ho- hope Dan and Linda have a good one today. <laughs> <laughs> I need a dose, right? Yeah, come on. Good. I need a dose. I hope Dan and Linda got their stuff on, got their mojo. You know what I mean? Because, because as a leadership group, we need to be intentionally intoxicated. You need to set your mind on the way of the Spirit. And the way of the Spirit is it, it beyond logic. It breaks all the logical yes. rules. Yes, that's right? so good. It, it's lo- logical so good. rules can't do it. No. Administration and organization can't do it. The Lord actually compensates in the most dis- disorganized situations for people who are so in love with Him that one guy that is, is intoxicated can change a room. Come on. Right? Come on. Can be a gate to open open heaven. Right? Isaiah 28, verse 5 and 6, we talked about this this morning, um, talks about the crown of righteousness resting on on, on people and that you are a gate that opens opens the gates of heaven. So good. Okay? What did Jesus say in uh, Matthew 16? Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loose 
in heaviness. So what you see in your relationship spiritually, the Lord will execute. He gives you keys, authority. Right? What did what did Lord what did the Lord give this house and the leaders of this house last night? The key. The 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 vision, the vision, the dream was initiated. Huh, a guy like me wandering around on a fishing boat saying, Come on, Lord, where are you sending me? I, I need to go to a place, a hungry place, a hungry place that wants built, a hungry place that wants the whole outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And, and the dove returns with a key and a fishing line. Yes. I don't believe the, the fishing line is a very important thing. I didn't get here by mistake. No. I got here because you guys are fishing. Yes. Right? Yes. You actually, you have, I got here because I got prayed here. I got prayed yeah. in here. You did. Okay? Yeah. I, and I believe that. And so everything that transpired in the dream after the fishing line is the impartation, okay? Before the fishing line was about me being being called, okay? But the fishing line after was about um, planting the tree, assigning the sword, and planting the tree. Yes. Amen. And so, <clears throat> having the having the body of the church eat from the tree, the gifts of the spirit, which are all the gifts, right? First Corinthians chapter twelve. Uh, wisdom, faith, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, um, prophecy, words of knowledge, uh, the working of miracles. Did I get them all? Discerning of spirits. How, how can I forget the most important one? <laughs> Discerning of spirits. Um, <clears throat> the body eating from that tree is an extremely important thing, right? Because the because. I don't know if you got this last night. There was a lot going on, but it's sequential. Okay? The tree planted, the tree of life being offered with all the gifts as ornaments hung on the tree are an offering for the people to come eat. The whole body eating from the tree of life. The sword comes after the tree. Wow. Okay? So when you eat from the tree, it's symbolic of eating of, of from the Spirit. You are, you are dining with the Holy Ghost. And when you are um, in relationship, you're eating what the Holy Spirit yes. is saying to you. Yes. You're learning to pray, to reach for the gifts. And when you get the gift, you then get the sword. The sword gets wielded as a result of the relationship. Okay, so there's a tree planted. Yes. There's a place where you can come and there's an offering of feeding from this tree of life. Right? And the tree of life, when people eat from the tree of life, there's an authority given to them where they literally begin to wield this sword. Yes. And that sword is the prophetic offense of the Holy Ghost. So the tree is about personal relationship and a dining place, a yes. spiritual dwelling place yes. for you to actually continually feed and eat yes. and expect the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon you in visions and dreams and every gift of the Spirit. And when you receive it, it's like, I got the sword. I'm ready to prophesy. I got the sword. I'm ready for a word of knowledge. I'm ready to wield this sword and, this, and the sword of the Lord, right? The, 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 this, um, the sword of the Spirit cannot be stopped That's right. because the light hunts down dark things yes. and when the sword is wielded, the dark thing dies. Yes. Ah. Amen. So are you intoxicated in that process? Because I'm, it's just, I'm describing to you the process of spiritual relationship. So good. Amen. So good. And just so you know, I didn't, I didn't, I've, I, I've taught this many times, but I have never taught it under the concept of the flow and the sequence until I had the dream and the Lord started talking to me about the freedom of the body, the expectancy of the body to actually feed from the tree of life and the power that's given for the whole body to wield the sword. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool picture, right? That's amazing. Right? There's so much wisdom and understanding in that spiritual um, intimacy and in the relationship with the spirit in terms of how you are made supernatural. Okay? But ultimately, um, the making of preachers, right? The your encounter, right? We talked last night when, when we talked about um, Isaiah 
uh, the quoted scripture in Romans 10, how will they hear without a preacher, right? Yes. Um, so you are the body of the preacher, right? So you're making preachers. You're, you're making preachers. And um, we get down to uh, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. The word hearing there is the word echoe. It actually means to encounter, to actually have spiritual impartation to you. Yes. So when you eat from the tree, you are having an, an encounter. Mm-hmm. You are literally, ah, oh, got a vision. Ah, oh, the Lord wants to do this, right? Yeah. Like, right? You have a, you have a, you actually hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's, it's important to understand. Do you realize in every correction to the church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, he ends every instruction if you can hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what he's doing with you guys? He's creating a body. Like he's creating a leadership group who knows what the Spirit is saying to the churches because you're done with dead religious processes and systems and you dedicate your heart to seeking what the Lord is saying and you can't be stopped. Yes, that's right. Do you realize that? That's right. When the Lord has a mission and a plan, the only thing that stops it is people who choose not to, to speak in here. That's that is so, so good. good. Amen? That's right. When you become humanistic and you stop, you think you can justify why there's no need for intoxication. Whenever, whenever you get, um, well, I don't know if that's God or I don't want that or I don't like that. Well, guess, well, guess what? If I'm your pastor, I just heard, I heard enough from you that you're not a leader, number one. Whoa. 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 You see, Jesus, Jesus picked his leadership team based on those who would lay down their life. He said these words. He said, whoever desires to save their life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose their life for my sake, right, will find it. And we, we have this North American concept of Christianity that you can just even come taste of the tree. My God, preach is coming on me. Um, you can come taste of the tree and all this stuff, but you don't really have to give your life. Do you know every, every one of the disciples literally died? They were filleted, crucified. They were hung upside down on crosses. They were boiled alive. They gave their life. They died before the moment they were stripped of their flesh, hung on a cross, or done anything. They gave their life. It was no longer they who lived, but Christ who lived in them. You get in the picture? Jesus is asking for your life. You may have thought this is just a normal, regular, you know, bring donuts and coffee to a leadership meeting. But the Lord wants you to know that he's asking you for something that is much bigger than what you ever thought being a leader in a church was ever going to be. And I have not discussed this. I have not discussed this, but I'm, I'm sharing my heart of what I felt that what's being implored by the Lord. That if you think just being on a leadership team is just, you know, coffee and donuts and I got to handle the kids this week or do the music or whatever. No, he's asking for your life because there's going to be days where you're preaching. There's going to be days where you're teaching. There's going to be days where you're casting out devils. There's going to be days where you need to administer the, the way of the spirit. You got it? Baptizing people in the Holy Ghost, doing it all, yeah. right? <clears throat> Amen? <laughs> so I'll ask you again, do you intentionally get intoxicated? Yeah. I'm talking intentionally get intoxicated. I'm talking wake up in the morning, te tobre amama, I am not leaving this room till I not only can see your vision, but I'm laughing so hysterically. Do you think what happened last night? Just was a, a freak accident. Oh, no. Dude, I, I mean, I wish the, my wife can tell you. She, I mean, she hears me sometimes in, in the basement. My kids hear me. I mean, the Lord will walk into my room. I mean, I was in this season where I was declaring um, certain things. I was declaring some scriptures. I was even declaring some visions that the Lord gave me. And he walked into my, into my pr- prayer room. Um, and he says, David, David. And I went, what? And he says, can we just laugh today? I went, yeah. And I, I heard his voice. I heard him start to laugh. And dude, I got wrecked. Come on. Yeah, come on. And he messed me up. Yeah, come on. And this, this, like, we all have these different levels of limitation. And he, he just blew past this level of limitation. And I was like, this, this, um, 
just a higher level of acceptance. I didn't have to do nothing. Come on. He yes. wanted to laugh with me. So yes. And he wrecked me. I literally, I literally laid on the ground with tears coming out, laughing and crying, 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 laughing and crying. And my prayer life that day was laughing and crying. And the next day I got up, I thought I was going back to normal. And I sat down on my chair and all I could do is start laughing and crying and laughing and crying and laughing and crying because he was intoxicating me. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I learned to submit my heart to intoxication. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching now, baby. I learned that the Lord's intent was to intoxicate us, yes. to dehumanize me. intoxicate you in your own prayer life you'll bring intoxication as an expectation into a leadership team tell me how you got intoxicated this morning Rachel come on tell me tell me Whitney how he messed you up today tell me man I feel these kingbees literally falling on my head Oh my gosh, I I just didn't even want to say I've sought for a place where the children would simply sit with their father. (laughs) And let me intoxicate him. Let me intoxicate him. Oh my goodness. So before we get a little deeper, i got to ask you one more question. It's kind of a hard one. Has the Lord ripped the Pharisee out of you yet? I, did, I gave a confession last night, and there's layer after layer of Pharisee that the Lord ripped out of me until, uh, man, just intoxicate me. I'm not struggling. I'm not fighting against it anymore. Just make me a mess. That's the revelation of Pentecost. It's unexplainable. He made them a mess. And they intoxicated a city so profoundly that 3,000 people came in. They are not drunk as you suppose. They're intoxicated in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) So Jesus, as he's confronting these men called Pharisees, the Bible, Bible thumpers, he says, Matthew 23, 13, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Shabbat shabbat shabbat. My God. Oh, Jesus. 
Well, we can't do that stuff on Sundays. Sundays are kind of for new believers. We might be able to do that in our Bible group and our our deliverance group. But you don't do that on Sundays. We're a little bit secret sensitive on Sundays. We gotta paint it down. I started out last night kind of messing with your head, saying Jesus doesn't build the way you think. Because men build one way, Jesus builds another way. Jesus started in John 6 with 5,000 feeding a belly. And then he said, drink my blood, eat my bread. And he's left with the 12, right? The 11 with the replacement prior to Pentecost. It was ultimately 12, right? That actually carried the Holy Ghost. And shook the world. And the same concept, the same concept is on Sundays. The same concept is on Sundays. People say, well, we can't get too weird. We can't let the whole Holy Ghost free in here. People might not, like, we might scare them. Can I I explain something to you? (laughs) First of all, Paul explains the workings of a supernatural church in 1 Corinthians 14. It's a prophetic church. Verse verse 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse 5. I wish you all praying in tongues even more that you prophesy. Right? Because prophecy edifies the church. Prophecy is the building, right? The word, the word Lego, um, the word Lego, the building block. You know, you know the building block, building block Legos. When Pete, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain to see him transfigured, the voice came out of heaven. It says, uh, saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." That that phrase actually. Um, is, is a Greek word called Lego. He's building. He builds by releasing his voice. So how does Jesus build? According to his Father's way, he builds by releasing his voice. Legos. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, teach me to build your way. Build me with your Lego. Visions and dreams. And prophecy. So that I may build the people around me. Lego me. Come on, Lego me. You see, you see, you, you, if, if you only received a, a couple encounters with the Lord's voice, you may only be about this big. But the more you hear him, the more your prayer life positions you to hear him. He makes you two stories and three stories and five stories. And pretty soon you're a skyscraper overpowering the region because you let the voice build you in your prayer life. Amen. So back to Sundays. If you value the way the Lord builds, which is by speaking to you, you will allow the voice of God to freely flow to build the people. How were most people built last night? All right, so I had the prophecy and the interpretation of the dream was for the house. That was your prophecy. And the leadership, right? That's your prophecy. But the individuals, as they embraced the nature of what was going on and and they received their individual words, the Lord built them individually through prophecy. Right? Right? So how valuable was prophecy in the church? If you actually exclude prophecy on Sundays, how do the new believers get built? Because he actually addresses it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24, actually 20 through 25. I'm going to paraphrase the first few, few verses. He says, if an unbeliever comes into the room and is convicted by the voice, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the secrets of their hearts are revealed, so too shall they fall on their face Get up declaring that Jesus Christ is real. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's the message of the church on how to treat an unbeliever. So do you hide prophecy on Sundays? No. Do you hide intoxication? No. No, no. I'm not here. I try. I try to hide it. No, I don't. 
we can't. The Lord is ripping out all. I, I try to hide it. <laughs> I try to put it behind the curtain. <laughs> you see, when the Lord changes your identity to be supernatural based on how he built you, why would you hide the way he built you? Why would you let seeker-sensitive thought processes not mess up the the guy that might only walk through that door one time in his life? You have one opportunity. I used to I used to get up on Sunday mornings at five five thirty six o'clock. I'd pray in tongues for four hours before church would start, and I'd cry because the Lord would show me faces of and people what they would be wearing and who He wanted me to talk to when they walked through that door. My God, I sent one. Make me a sent one. Make me a sent one. My God, the hair on my arms is standing up. That's awesome. My God, what, if, if you gather, why would you not pray without ceasing for hours till you know who's coming through that door, what you're going to say to them, and the voice of God is going to minister to them? Not presenting something that you hope they like. Come on, it's so good. So good. Yeah. Not presenting something that you hope they accept. You're not talking to their flesh. The Lord talks to their heart. Why would you hide your gift? Why would you hide the intoxicating love that you're in? I mean, I'm, I literally feel like I'm going to vibrate out of my body right now. Awesome. Do it. You don't understand. I, I wept. I've cried for years for, for something to be part of this. I pray for moments like this because I can't talk like this to most places I go. They're not prepped yet. They can't hear. I just keep feeling these tinglys fall on my head, man. I can't, I can't stop. So, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever comes in, come on, you should write this down. You should actually tattoo this on your arm and say, why do I pray? Why do I seek the Lord? If an unbeliever comes in, how will they hear without a prophetic minister? How will they hear if you hide your gift? How will they hear if you are told don't prophesy today? And you say, I will not prophesy. Ouch. How will they hear? They may never hear. Yet you have a cross in your front door. And on your ceiling. see the cross that must be a safe place they come in and it all just everybody's nice and it feels good and they walk out never to come back because they didn't get wrecked they didn't get intoxicated they didn't get their Pentecost you see I whenever I first went to India I had this theology I had this theology that I had to first lead them to Jesus. I I told you last night that I built all these messages, right? And the Lord messed me up. No, we're not going to do that, right? But I had this theology where I I had to accept Jesus first. We had to go through the process. They had to receive the Holy Spirit. Right? <laughs> but you know what the Lord did, did, did with me? He messed me up. And I, had, I knew they were telling me, yeah, these Hindus were in a village here. These are all Hindus. They're all at statues in the morning. And we got them here because we said we'd feed them. Wow. And, I'm, and I start standing up with words of knowledge about deaf mutes and crazy stories. And um, all these parents bring children deaf mutes. And they're deaf mute. They're not born deaf mute. They go into the Hindu temples and they pronounce curses on them and they come out unable to talk and, and hear. That's a real thing. And I have this word of knowledge and, I, and, and the deaf mute comes forward um, like a whole line of them. And I lay my hand on the first one and he flies backwards, lands on the ground. And the dad and the two guys that were holding the kid, the kid was shaking. 
Okay, the kid was literally shaking like this. And when I laid my hand on him, he fell, he fell like five feet back. He gets up and he looks around and he starts speaking. And his dad falls down on the ground weeping. And the interpreter's trying to tell him what's going on. We find out that that kid was born normal. He could walk, talk, you know, the whole, the whole nine they took him to a Hindu temple when he was 14. He walked in, able to talk and hear. He walked out, shaking and trembling in fear. He couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Wow. And the dad said for five years, the kid's now uh, 19 years old. The dad said we had to tie him to the bed at night so he, he was violent, so he wouldn't hurt himself or wouldn't hurt anybody else. We had to tie him to the bed, and he had, that, the father hadn't heard him talk till I laid my hand on him. We took the kid up on stage, the doctor, or the, the dad stands up and, and starts to tell the story, and because it's prevalent in the whole Hindu culture, the parents, the whole village runs forward, and the whole village gets, a thousand people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're sitting there shaking, ta ma mo ma ma te te, they're shaking in the Holy Ghost. And there was no confession, there was no ritual, there was no sequence. They had the Holy Ghost witness to them that your deaf mute that was made in a Hindu temple by demonic powers, we're going to restore them. And the father testifying of his son was the preacher. So how in the world could you even get through a service without letting the Lord speak? Without letting an intoxication happen to where pe- there's people that don't even deserve it, but they come in the door and they're literally delivered and tongues start flying out of their mouth because they feel the presence. They're undone. They're shaken. They're never going to be the same again. If you want to see radical deliverances and healing, you got to be radical. You can't be seeker sensitive in any fashion. You can't hide what you are. I know your DNA. I know it. When I'm around certain people, I know it. I get excited. I'm like a wild stallion. I got to run. I got to go. I got to roll. And I'm like, you got to be who you are. You got to be who the Lord told you to be. Be the wild ones. Be the untamed ones. Be the ones that can't be stopped, that will not relent. That's right. Be who you are. Come on, Life Church. Rise up and be who you are. Violent. Yes. Violent. Yes. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Take it. Take your rightful place. Be who you're called to be. Supernatural, violent, unstoppable, intoxicated people. Not tolerant, accepted. That's so good. They will, they, the world will actually tame you down. And the way Satan does it is he uses religious people and culturally accepted religious practices called Christianity to make you look the part. Don't do it. Be who you're called to be. Violent, supernatural representation. What would Jesus do? He stands up and says to the religious, you hog, dog, whitewash, who, sepulcher, you think you're alive, you're dead, you're a liar. Fall on your face and accept your Christ. Whoa. But, to, but to the sinner, words of knowledge, yes. prophecy, deliverance, speaking to their heart, yes. and people that didn't know Christ rising up off the ground, free, delivered, supernatural, yes. saying Jesus is real. Yes. Be who you're called to be. Don't put your light under a basket. Do not put your light under a basket. Do not hide the power of the Holy Ghost. What is the flame? It's the Holy Ghost. Do not hide my spirit. Do not reject it. Do not quench it. Let my light shine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address one more thing, and then we're going to pray. Um, I just think it's... I, just, I think it's so important that you recognize... I talked this morning about 
um, the gifts of the Spirit, and in particular the gift of tongues. Um, and it, I know it's a revelatory thing, and, it, and you have to realize that you have access into the throne room of God. Yeah. Okay? And pe- people who don't understand and value the gift of tongues will wonder how somebody like Linda can be so drunk all the time. That's how. Okay? And so if you don't understand the value and the key that the Lord gives you, the Holy Spirit is a key. Okay? And so in Romans 8.26, he says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. It's all of us. We don't know what to pray for. You know, when I go to churches, I ask people if they pray. Most people are like five, ten minutes a week, and, and that's it, oh, because they don't know what to pray. Wow. You know what the Lord says? I don't care if you don't know what to pray. I care if you know my way of prayer. Wow. For he says, verse 26, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us yes. with groanings, yes. utterances, sounds, sounds yes. the heart cry of the Spirit. Yes. He gives you the Spirit to pray through you to yes. make it idiot-proof. Because instead of your excuses, you give him your heart to say, I'll do it your way. Yes. So for we do not know what to pray for as we often the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us yes. with groaning, supernatural voice. Yes. Verse 27. For he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Yes. Who's, who's he? Holy Spirit. If the Spirit is in you praying through you, who's he? He is Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, yes. knowing the, the, the Spirit. Yes. He's interceding you according to the voice coming out of you. So if you don't pray in tongues and you don't let the voice of the Spirit, who yes. knows all of you, yes. pray through you. Yes. You get the picture? Yes. For he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession according to the perfect will of God. Okay, so this is connected. It's, it's connected in a very deep way that if you pray in the Spirit, yes. you are going to have the perfect will of God revealed to you. Yes. Because the pattern of Pentecost is you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you begin to pray in tongues, yes. and then you prophesy. And the only way you prophesy is if you get vision, you hear Him. Yes. Come on. So what prompts vision to come upon you is tongues. Yes. Tongues is a central beginning point. So good that is offered to you as a way to enter the supernatural. Yes. People say, why do you pray so much? I don't know, I can't stop praying because once I discovered the way of the Spirit, yes. every time I would pray for, for hours, the Lord would come upon me. I'd yes. shake, I'd cry, yes. I'd weep. He'd visit me, he'd say this. He'd give me this long vision for this church called Life Church in Muskoka. Hey. He, he just speaks to me, gives me insight. Yes. Amen? Yes. And so that revelation of... The pattern is connected to whether or not you will give him your heart. Because he's asking for your heart. You think you gave him your heart when you got saved. But that's actually the beginning process to where he's asking for your will. So that you'll follow him. Following him doesn't happen until you lay down your will. And there's a lot of people sitting on leadership teams that aren't dead. They want what they want. They don't want the way God wants it. My God, I didn't, none of this was planned, okay? The, the way the Lord is orchestrating this, He wants your heart. Yes. He wants you to lay down your will so that His will can be done in Muskoka. Yes. 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 What's limiting revival in Muskoka is not the Holy Ghost. Look at your friends, look at the people around you and say, I wonder what's limiting Him. The lim- limitation wears a face. It wears a heart. It wears a decision process. Wow. My God. Oh, God. I'm getting it now. Oh. You better get it. You didn't wreck yet? Oh, my God. 27 years ago. Oh. So you have to value... The key that he's given you. He's given you an authority. All authority, Jesus said it, all authority has been given to me. And now I say, go make disciples of all men. Discipling is about learning to follow. He wants your will. He wants all of you to lay down your will. 
to hunt down the Holy Ghost day and night so that there would be no limitation but an absolute outpouring. There'd be people waiting on Sunday morning for newbies to come through the door saying, I got the word for the girl with the pink polka dot shirt and the pigtail. She's mine. And this is what the Lord's going to say to her. Amen. Come on. And so the Lord, the Lord actually um, gives out a very specific instruction. And uh, I, I said it this morning. This is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11. He, says, he, he asked the question, to whom will I teach knowledge? We, we, we've learned the word knowledge is yada. To whom will I teach intimacy? Right? To whom will I teach intimacy? So he gives you the question, to whom will I teach intimacy? Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11. I'm reading to you out of the Amplified, okay? To whom will I teach intimacy? Whom will I teach intimacy? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those who are babies just weaned from the milk? For it is, is it his... his uh, prophets or people standing in a pulpit repeating scripture over and over and over again line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little and he answers in verse 11 he says no i will teach you with a more humiliating way with a stammering lip and another tongue (laughs) so he's actually saying that tongues are an intimacy that reveal his intent and desire Tongues leads to prophecy, which leads to intoxication. And so, continuing on, he he actually says to these, he had said, this is the true rest in which he will give the weary rest. Wow. Okay? So to enter rest is, is a prayer relationship where tongues is a very predominant element of how you pray. And the kicker on this, guys, is the meaning of verse 11, the Hebrew meaning of, no, he will teach you with a more humiliating way, with a stammering lip and another tongue. The Hebrew meaning of that is a picture. It's a baby crying for its mother's milk. When a, when a, when a newborn is, uh, comes along and a, you got mom, a fresh, a fresh mom, right? They usually have wet shirts. You know why they have wet shirts? Because when that baby cries... The flow is automatic. And the picture is that when you as a son and daughter begin to cry in his language, when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you're crying out to the Father. And he says the picture is I cannot resist my sons and daughters who pray and cry out for my flow to enter into your heart. Because he says that when I that when you pray, that when you make your when you set your heart to spend time with me and I, and you seek my will, I will give you my will will flow into you. And I will grow you as one who does not know, as one who knows because you know me. One who submits to the way of the Spirit. And says, I have no idea, but shadow said, and all of a sudden, vision. See, you see, I'm teaching you how to eat from the tree. Uh, there's a tree that planted, it's laden with gifts, and I'm teaching you how to literally sit under it and reach. Sit under it and reach. Sit up and pull that gift down, pull that gift down, pull that gift down. And when you get gifts, all of a sudden, this sword. This whole church carries a sword. My God, you're standing at doors waiting for people to come in with a sword. To wield a sword. The sword of the Spirit that literally cuts through the unbelief. and cuts through the brokenness. That sword literally reaches into the hearts and pulls them up the mountain. You see, they couldn't get up the mountain on their own. They couldn't get there. But somehow people who submit to the way of the Spirit can reach into a dead heart and say, I know there's life in there. I know there's life in there. I know there's life in there. And you pull them out of the dead place. You literally pull them out of the dead place. And that's the difference between the Pharisee who condemns them, conform, fit, achieve, to a new born Holy Ghost-filled believer who says, 
I'm reaching in and I'm pulling you into the space that the Lord has for you. The Lord called you this and you're broken and you carry it. But the Lord says you're that and I'm putting you in this new place. I pull you out of brokenness and put you onto the height of the mountain. I'm pulling you out of depression and fear and I'm putting you in a preacher's pulpit. Do you believe in the identity that the Lord is defining you as? You may have thought you were one thing last week, but the Lord is defining a leadership team that is fully intoxicated with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Fully intoxicated with the voice of God. Absolutely drunk because you're connected to this vine that gives life. Absolutely living in the Spirit of God. Amen? Literally living in the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. It, living in the yeah, living in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes you have to learn to break through. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But he's not. He's, he doesn't want people that feel like it. Especially at the beginning, he wants people that lay down their heart to the way of the Spirit. There are no excuses in the kingdom. There's one way to ascend the mountain. There's one way to hear the Lord. <clears throat> One way. Yes. People ask me how you know how, how do you stand in front of all these people and the Lord speak to you about everyone? Because I, I had encounters. He built me. Six the first six years after I, I after I baptized in the Holy Ghost and I would pray and I would get these intermittent you know the this person's going to come in I'm going to pray for them the there's somebody over here uh, depression I'm going to pray for them it was intermittent. But after I was taken to heaven, I had the, the lion breathed on me. Um, I had these different encounters. After the encounter, I had abilities that I did not have before. I was this high. And every encounter took me this high. And then another year's worth of encounters took me this high. And another year's of encounters took me this high. And instead of having prophecies for one person, I had prophecies for bodies. I had prophecies for churches. I had prophecies for leaders. I had prophecies for CEOs in million-dollar businesses. Yes. I, the Lord would wake me up and, and send me, go up to this two hours north, drive north. There's a church. There's a girl sitting in the front row. I need her baptized in the Holy Ghost. Go to India, right? Go to, go to Phoenix. There's a church there that I'm about to awaken it's a true story. I mean, 2019, the Lord woke me up, told me to go to, go to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, there's a church there called Fresh Start Church. And um, he, he says, uh, I had this word about the Phoenix rising and that the fire of the Lord would be raised up out of Phoenix and that the fire would spread from Phoenix all across the United States. And that church, when I went there, they, they were on fire, but they didn't go outside of the state. And now they go all across the United States. Okay. How does that happen? I did not have that ability until I had encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter. And the same way you learn in your prayer life that he grows you spiritually, everybody who's deaf, dumb, and blind who comes through that front door who has no ability to see for their own, for on their own part, you value his voice so much that you say, I cannot shut up. The light must shine. He must reach into the darkness and pull that person out of the dead place and into the light. Amen? Amen. So are you ready to be a leadership team? Yes. You ready to be intoxicated? Yes. When's the last time you guys intentionally got intoxicated? Other than coming to church with Dan and Linda. No, I'm serious. Did anybody get intoxicated this week in your prayer room? I'm talking 2 a.m., you can't sleep, and instead of sitting there and letting your mind race, you get out of bed and you start praying the Holy Ghost, and you induce the labor of the Holy Ghost. You let the voice of God invade the space that you're in and he changes the space you're in so profoundly that you get up out of your dead place and walk in the light. I've 
I believe there's a baptism of, of prayer going to happen in this place. Come on. There is a baptism of prayer that's going to birth this church in the place that, that, that it's currently in into the next place. There is a place of baptism right now that's going to birth a new level of prophecy and words of knowledge. There's going to be people that walk through that door. There's going to be prophetic snipers sitting in this place and say, I got this one. I got this one. I got this one. Amen. There is a, there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost that is going to transform Muskoka yeah. because a leadership group got transformed yeah. in, in an intoxication yeah. of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.